Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Crystal LaBeja, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz, and happy Cinco de Mayo. Yes. Folks, um, can I have a quick moment to talk to you about a little bit of uh, respect for the day and not being ridiculous or inappropriate or... Culture, culturally appropriative or any of that. If you want to go out and celebrate or like be in a festive mood, mood and have a margarita, do that. But please do not run around these streets like in in Mexican like gear and sombreros. Right? That's my. <laughs> I'm starting. I'm starting the podcast today with a little Cinco de Mayo. PSA. <laughs> right? I'm just. I'm just. Telling you, right, as you listen to this pod, please take your act right pills this morning because I don't want to see it in the in the streets, you know. <laughs> we are trucking along through the year, folks. Things are good. Um, the weather has been lovely. And um, you know what? The gay liberties just keep coming. The the beautiful person that is on the podcast today. I don't know if you all are ready for y'all. Um, I I did a little stalking and then I did a little like, you know, like reaching out, sliding into the DMs. And then I did a little accosting on the street when I <laughs> ran into him and he is here. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, the empanada papi himself, Tomas Matos. Say hi. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? <laughs> How are you, Bill? I'm doing so good. I'm very happy to be here on the podcast. I am so grateful to have you on the podcast. Y'all, you you just need to get into Tomas here. And if you didn't know, which you already probably do, Tomas is born and based in New York City. And you may have already seen him and his beautiful face as he is part of the Royal House of Milan, honey. He graduated from New York City's Fame School, also known as LaGuardia High School, and is now currently performing in Diana the Musical, which just filmed for Netflix. So get into it, people. Like most people, when the pandemic hit, Tomas found himself without work and no real timeline on when Broadway will open. And like most of us, if not all of us, had to pivot into what is now a beautiful business of his where he makes and sells empanadas. And we're going to talk all about it. And I can't thank you enough for being here. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to chat with you. Um, well, there we got a lot to cover because, you know, I did some... I, I had done some deep diving before. Uh, I had met you on the street 
and wanted you on the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, and then you sent me a little a little bio, and I was like, wait a minute, the, the gagging keeps coming. But before we get anywhere, in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you on this Cinco de Mayo, happy National Enchilada Day. Work, come on, enchiladas. Come on. <laughs> now, listen. This is what I'm talking about here, um, because I don't know who runs the. I'm I'm forever talking about like I don't know who makes these days up or why or why we need a a national food day for every day, but I'm hoping this wasn't part of the nonsense that I was talking about before. <laughs> and someone was like, "Well, obviously it's Cinco de Mayo, so it has to be like National Enchilada Day." <laughs> yeah, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> right, but I mean, I'm here for it. Are you? Are you an enchilada queen? No, I mean, like personally, I love my empanadas, but like the enchiladas sometimes are like a little too much on my tummy. Yeah, it's all that dairy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's all that dairy. Listen, but they're good. They they are good. What's your background, <laughs> if I may ask? Um, I am Cuban, Puerto Rican, Spanish, and black. So yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. Get in. Yes. I just started to sweat a little just thinking about it. Oh my god, it worked. We love <laughs> yes, Amazing. Baby. Amazing. Favorite Mexican food since it's National Enchilada Day? My favorite Mexican food? Yeah. Probably like huevos rancheros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I'm, a big, I'm a big chilaquiles like girl. Yeah. I love a chilaquiles, right? I have to take some lactose pills beforehand, but... <laughs> period. Period, <laughs> right? Uh, but the, a chilaquiles, oh my God, just give me all the chips and all the sauce and all the things. Mm. You know what I mean? So good. So good. So no matter what you celebrate out there, folks, uh, you know what? Enjoy a margarita. Have some enchiladas if you're going out. And you know what? Learn, know how to act today on National <laughs> Enchilada Day. And moving right along to this day in gay history, Tomas, did you know that in 1971, and oh, this is like kismet maybe, um, Andy Warhol's play Pork opens at La Mama Ex- Experimental Theater in New York City. Among the cast, making his acting debut, is an extremely talented 16-year-old drag queen named Harvey Firestein. Get out. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just, I was like, there was a bunch of like gay history today, but this one, you know, because you're in the theater, I used to be, well, I kind of still am in the theater, maybe. Um, You know, it's about the theater. I don't know what pork was about. I didn't, I didn't have enough time to go research, but I love that, like, you know, in 1971, Miss Harvey Firestein was still doing the thing, right? Or period, like started doing the thing and didn't care, you know. <laughs> At 16, too, work. At 16 in 1971, New York City. What was that like? Can you imagine what that was like? Um, probably a lot of, a lot of sex, a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of like hotness. A lot of drag queens. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, uh, and it's all underground for the most part. Yeah. You know? Which a lot hot. of Yeah, hot. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of hot, I want to get to the getting on and just know about you a little bit more. So you grew up in New York, correct? Yeah. Where in the city? Um, I'm from Staten Island, um, which is quite trash, so I don't really like to rep it. But, like, going to school in Manhattan, I kind of like to think that I'm more of a city boy. Like, I don't really represent Staten Island. Although I do like to say I'm the Staten Island fairy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, a lot of people take a ride? Is that that it? (laughs) You got it. (laughs) For free, too, honey, work. (laughs) Oh, no, not for free. (laughs) Well, you know, depending. Or a fee, honey, anything. <laughs> I cannot. I can't. Well, yes, I can, actually. So let's, <laughs> um, so let's start at the very beginning here. Where where did this love for cooking come from? Did you did you grow up cooking? Uh, did you have, like, family that, like, was really, like, into cooking? Tell me all about it. Yeah, so 
Um, like having a single mother, she definitely taught me and both my sisters to cook because she was always working. Um, and then once she started going to school while also working, it was a lot of us having to cook for ourselves and then for her when she got home. So I, I got into cooking very early, um, which I think is a blessing because now I'm able to like cook for myself and also for others. And I've made a little business because of it. So um, definitely from my mother, um, from my sister too. My sister's a chef, which is awesome. So she likes to help me with like the logistics of it, like how to like actually cut with a knife, <laughs> which is really great. Well, yeah, um, it's a it's an important skill. You know, you don't want to, you know, you need all your digits is all I'm saying. Yes, 100%. Like, I don't know who Julia is, but now I know how to cut like her. <laughs> oh, <here we> am. <laughs> oh my god she was a drag queen uh, she wasn't a drag queen but she might as well have been a drag queen right because period honey period because she was she was a, the blessing we all needed at the time and i thought i and i think still need i i can't talk today i don't know what's going on it's been a, it's been a long day um but yeah that's that's beautiful and so did you always, pivoting for a second, you went to the fame school, right, LaGuardia. I have a ton of friends um, that went to high school there. I actually went to Xavier High School on 16th Street, right, because I am Brooklyn born and uh-huh. raised. Did you know you wanted to perform from an early age? Yes, um, definitely. I think I, I, I found out probably in middle school that I was like, oh, I want to be on a stage or like, I want to be in a spotlight, whether that is on a stage, whether that's in front of a camera, which I am obsessed with. Uh (laughs) I think from an early age, I knew that I wanted to be a star pretty much. Yeah. And so what was that journey like? So you went to, you went to LaGuardia and then you graduate and what's the what, what's the next steps that got you to Broadway? Well, I worked on a cruise ship doing Priscilla Queen of the Desert, which is a really fabulous drag queen musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the cruise ship, which was I was on it for about a year, I worked a lot of regional gigs. Um, doing theater around the country, um, Salt Lake City, Minneapolis. And then um, I got Diana, which we did. I was a part of the Out of Town for, which was in San Diego. And then they brought me to Broadway with them. And here we are. Oh, my God. And, I mean, when was Diana slated to open? March 31st. Um, we started previews March 1st. And then everything shut down March 12th. So we got 12 days of performances. So I got to live my Broadway debut dreams, but... I'm dying to get back. So. I think Very Diana. Exciting. I think Diana was the first one to post a reopening date. Were Were they not? Am I wrong about that? You are correct. We were the first, and I believe the reason why we were the first was because we had news of our Netflix release date, so we were able to like jump from having the Netflix release date be October first to also saying that. We're starting previews December 1st, and we're reopening on December 16th. Well, that's incredible, and I'm happy to see that Broadway, after over a year of being shut down, is starting to make a plan on coming back, and hopefully, right, because there was a big march on Broadway, Blackout Broadway, uh, the other, a couple weeks ago, the other week, um, that there's uh, a great change coming in that industry for all hopefully, as well. And In Your Mouth listeners, uh, for those of you that listen to me constantly, a lot of you know that I am uh, a former musical theater, a former musical theater girl, right? And <laughs> and I have a lot of friends in the industry. Tomas isn't one of them yet until right now. And so it was such a, such a blessing and such a surprise to me when this bit of information came out because I only found him through the Royal House of Milan, which we will get to, and then via doing a deep dive, seeing on his Instagram this empanada poppy um, 
venture that he has started, which is everything. And there are no empanadas in my apartment, by the way. <laughs> right? I don't know whether to be hangry or offended. Well, they're, a, they're one for $5 and five for 20 So hit my line, baby. <laughs> She's like, bitch. Well, I don't. I don't have PR packages. I don't. I don't do that. hundred <laughs> percent. Collect the coin, and we can do it. <laughs> That's incredible. So obviously, a lot of us, so many people, lost work during this pandemic. What sparked the idea to kind of pivot ball change? You see what I did there? To a business that dealing in pure empanadas. Well. Um, I started to like cook like on my Instagram stories and I also started to like do cooking tutorials that were also politically driven. So when like the whole Goya fiasco started to happen, the, that was the first cooking video that I had put out to make your own sazon. Um, because everyone uses Goya sazon, like my whole family uses it. So it was really disheartening when I found out about how the CEO of Goya was like, like just uplifting Trump's, like, idiocy. Um, so I just started to make tutorials that were also politically driven to get the word out on how people could cook at home without having to um, be influenced by bigots. No shade. So from yes. there, I was like... Um, a pause. Thinking. One second, right? Because you made a good point that I kind of want to catch on to, and then we'll pick it right back up. So the the Goya debate, right? Like I I didn't throw anything out, right? But I certainly am finished <laughs> or have finished because you can't waste food, especially during a pandemic. Hello, there are starving people out there. Um, but <laughs> have finished my Goya products or am finishing that like supersized bottle of adobo. There's a great Goya <laughs> debate as well as that happened with this, right? With this boycott Goya in the sense of if you boycott Goya, you hurt the employees. What is your take on that? Do you understand what I, uh, I, I mean? Yeah, it's a slippery slope because I understand that side of the debate. But there are other, I believe that there are other routes or, or ways for employees to then boycott their own company because it gives the worker, the power, and takes it away from the man above, you know? So I think I understand that debate. However, I do not agree with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm with you. I said, I said the man hurt his employees to begin with, right? Like, your politics yeah. are your politics. Fine. Have your politics. But keep those politics... When your politics affect an entire, like, hundreds of, of people, you know, under you... Right. Then maybe you shouldn't voice your like you should keep those politics outside of that business, because those people working for you are the people you are serving as well. Right. In those those communities. So I'd be curious to find out if those factory workers are unionized and how how they it would be possible for them to implement change, you know, from the ground up. Yeah. Right. I, I think. I think that's it. And you know what? Whole Foods Whole, uh, Whole Foods with your Amazon, which is also problematic, with your, but with your <laughs> Amazon little sc- scan code, has delicious beans. I mean, right? <laughs> 100%. Hello. So back to pivoting to empanadas, right? So you did the Sasson video, right? You're doing, you're doing cooking videos um, with a message behind them. What happens next? So I think... Um... After re- after realizing that like a lot of people enjoyed the videos um, and getting positive feedback from them, I was like thinking about like how am I supposed to make money without like getting a job because there were no jobs. Like I can't go across the street and like wait tables at the restaurant because the restaurant closed. So I'm like, how am I supposed? To, how do I make money that I can do myself? And I was like, okay, let's business strategize. So what am I good at? <laughs> um, and of course, like OnlyFans popped into my head, um, teaching ballet, um, things like that. And then I was like, oh, why don't I cook? 
And then I was like, okay, wait, so what do I cook? Um, and then after thinking about like the past videos that I was creating um, and the content that I was coming up with, I was like, I should 100% be making and selling empanadas because the amount of people that were like, ooh, let me get one. I was like, uh, you can have one. For, the for price $5. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am one of those people now. <laughs> Damn, honey. That's yeah, it, so. right? Yes. I, I love that. I love that. And when did when did it start to take off? Like, because I know you do like big drop-offs in Staten Island and whatnot. Like, when did you see it it come to fruition and like start to succeed for you? Honestly, from the jump. Like I I am so blessed and and fortunate to have so many friends around the city that I was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the whole weekend delivering empanadas all around the boroughs. Um from the Bronx to Staten Island baby. So she was hitting it all. Um and I I'm just like like it was amazing to to just see people that I hadn't seen in literally like 10 years, people that I like went to middle school with, like my high school teachers. It was just, the support was astounding. Uh, that's, a, that's incredible. And that's what we need. So many people pivoted to food during the pandemic. We saw everybody make banana bread. We saw everybody make <laughs> sourdough bread. We saw everybody make Dalgona coffee. Um, yeah. All, all the food trends. And so for those of you out there that turned it into a business and cottage kitchens um, is the term that, that that means you're baking or cooking and selling from home, right? Yeah. Um, cottage kitchens, uh, Boston, it was a food news update a couple weeks ago. Boston just legalized cottage kitchens uh, in a certain aspect and... So it's it's really a thing, and um, it's it's pretty incredible what people are doing. Um, Allie's banana bread out there; she's making much like you, right? She took the banana bread model, and she she can't keep it in her hands. She can, just can't keep it in her hands at all. Like she she does these secret drops, and within minutes, it's absolutely sold out. And so. And so it's a testament to the hustle and the hustle that you've already gone through, right? Because that Broadway hustle, that musical theater hustle is like none other. You have a job, you're still looking for a job. And it's that constant, <laughs> like, it's that constant cycle of like, and work ethic, you know, the people who make it are the ones who are just keep going and keep going and keep going. And what's next? And what can I do? And have all these plates spinning. So that's, so that's really, really incredible. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I... It's, it's also beautiful to see, like, my community it, within the Broadway industry, like, we're all shut down. Um, so it's really beautiful to, like, be inspired by my other friends who have created companies of their own. Like my friend Bethany, who started her own earring um, line called BT Clay Designs. It was like, watching her do it, I was like, oh, I could do that as well. And I, I just had to find my own niche to what I could sell and, and profit off of. I love that. I love that. And we know uh, most of the Broadway community is very accepting of of all people and all genders and all walks of life. But I'm curious about what growing up and coming out was like on Staten Island, because Staten Island um, is Trump country, is like yeah. a different place in this, in the five boroughs, for sure. What was that like for you? Yeah difficult to say the least um unfortunately but i mean i'm i was one of the lucky ones going to high school in the city i would like i was able to like let my wings fly and going to like a school like laguardia that is so liberal that is so open the gayest um, high was, school the gayest high school besides like the harvey milk school <laughs> period it was like it, i was so lucky in that aspect but it was stressful for Honestly, the four years that I was there, coming home, having to take the ferry and, like, take off my crop top and put a sweater on because I didn't want anyone to say anything to me. And also that I didn't want my mom to say anything to me because I was I was closeted 
up until junior year. So it was like, I was living a double life in one way that like, I would come home and like, like lower my voice and like change my outfit and then like get on the ferry and like be a literal ferry. <laughs> so it was, it was hard. And, um, but I do believe that it gave me a tough exterior that allowed me to like go out into the world at such a young age, at such a young age and like really thrive and not be afraid of, of, of what other people might have to think of me because I was just able to like, fully be myself so yeah absolutely and the fact that you just uh i'm like oh my god i'm so old uh you you just (laughs) said you came out junior year of high school and that's pretty incredible i mean i went to an all-boy semi-military jesuit high school the the mere thought of coming out at any point during that those four years I don't, I don't think I'd be alive, like, legit, yeah. you know? And even though I was marked as the gay kid in school, anyway, everyone told me on a daily basis right? yeah. <laughs> how gay I was. But it was, it's, it's incredible, and I'm, like, awestruck by it still, like, about uh, how, what a blessing it is that, like, young people have an avenue to come out earlier and earlier these days. And yeah. it's important. And I also think it's important for people to hear because oh, once again, we talk a lot about coming. We talk a lot about food on this podcast, obviously, but we also <laughs> talk a lot about our stories and our lives and coming out and things like that. And it's important to hear. And I don't know if I've had a young, a young coming out if you <laughs> to Wendy Williams that word you know um, a, a, a young coming outation of it all so yeah that's really really incredible and what an what an amazing journey to to be shining so brightly in more than one vein right now right as the beautiful person that you are for sure I want to pivot really quick, right? And take a quick break, because I think this is a really good good moment to take a pause, take a breath, and introduce Tomas to my favorite part of the podcast and yours, In Your Mouth listeners, a little something we like to call, say it with me out there, Food News Update! You ain't ready, girl? Spill the tea. News Update. Burger King's going Italian with a Parmigiano-Reggiano burger. It's a chop. <laughs> it's a chop? <laughs> a Parmigiano-Italian burger? Yeah, like a Parmesan burger. What is that? Like Parmesan cheese? Like on top of the burger? Yeah, so apparently... <laughs> <laughs> Huh? <laughs> my favorite, my favorite is Tomas is just not not here for it. Period. <laughs> uh-uh. He's like, chop it. I don't like it. I don't even know what it is. I don't understand it. Get rid of it. I don't want no. any of it. <laughs> well, let's start here. Are you a burger queen? Like yes, but I want like my regular regular burger with like bacon sometimes inside of ketchup. Like, don't put no Parmesan cheese on my burger. Okay, now are That's we a McDo- uh, are we a McDonald's, Burger King, or Wendy's? Wendy's, period, all hands down, hands down, right? Or, or like I can do a White Castle, like a White Castle, like the those little ones. Ooh. Okay, my God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Oh my God! The judgment I just got for what? <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I'm not gonna yuck your yum, baby. If you like the White Castle, you like the White Castle. Okay, so it's <laughs> Wendy's all day. All right. So, anywho, th- <laughs> thank you to the Takeout.com. Uh, burger King Italia is releasing a new burger topped with. An Italian staple, Parmigiano Reggiano. It's part of a series called Italian Kings that showcases local Italian products and ingredients. A press release says the burger features a new gourmet meat patty on a brioche bun, Parmigiano Reggiano mayo, uh, arugula, fried onions, and slivers of Parmesan cheese. I think that sounds delicious. Um, I would try it. 
<laughs> I would try it. I don't know if I eat it all, but I try it. I have a bite. I think I think that that sounds good. I think that's <laughs> I I personally think that sounds good. And as somebody who's worked on cruise ships, um, did you did you do like international cruises or did you just do like like Caribbean tours, Mexico crew like tours on the cruise um, ships? It was we did Mex. I, I did a Mexican tour. No, I did. Um, we went to like Jamaica, we went to Mexico, we went to like a small island that is owned by Norwegian Cruise Line, and then we did a transatlantic from there all the way to the Mediterranean, and I stayed there for like four months. So I was in like Barcelona, Italy, France. Okay, so um, you've you've had the experience, and fast food restaurants outside of America are a very different experience, especially in places yeah. like Italy and Germany, because I think the government was like, oh, you want to bring that? ish over here fine but what you're going to do is you're going to use the cows from that mountain over there <laughs> and the cheese from this cheese maker over here you know and the bread actually has to come from the bakery not that like yep. not that subway like yoga mat bread <laughs> so like so yeah i mean um, and what else I, the other thing I love about international fast food restaurants is that depending where you are like this in Italy, you'll find like, like weird for lack of a better term, like food items, you know, or if you, it, even yeah, if that you, is true. Even if you go to Boston, McDonald's has like a, a lobster roll on the menu. I mean, oh, get out. Oh, I wouldn't, God. I wouldn't eat a McDonald's lobster roll at all. <laughs> right. Cause that. That just that's a chop, right? That's a chop, and like yeah, a, a nah. week's worth of food poisoning. I feel <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> but <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Sorry, McDonald's. Uh, sorry, you know, <laughs> no shade, all shade. Actually, all shade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know if Tomas is here for it, right? But you know what? He'd give it a try. He'd definitely give it a try. And I am certainly, certainly here for this uh, Parmigiano-Reggiano experience, Burger King. The oldest currently known whiskey bottle will be auctioned off in June. Originally believed to be from 1850, but carbon dating suggests the whiskey is from 1763 to 1803. Isn't that, like, I didn't even realize that, like, booze auctioning was, like, such a huge deal. Yeah, I didn't know that either, but... Interesting. I guess it's kind of like an antique. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a, an antique. And like the question, thank you to foodandwine.com, is whether it's it's so expensive because you want to drink it or it's so expensive just because you want to have it and not drink it. You know? Yeah. Would you drink something that old? I don't think so. Um, well, for one, I'm sober, so I don't drink alcohol at all. But I I don't think I would. <laughs> All right. Well, like, fine. Um, and yes, for a sober journey, right? Um, we fully support that. Uh, absolutely. But thank you. Let, let's say it's like, you know, like, I don't know, something that doesn't kombucha, right? Because kombucha is fermented, much like booze is, right? Bo like alcohol-free kombucha. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's from. Uh, do you like kombucha? Yes, I love her. Oh, She's my okay. girl. She kombucha's your girl. <laughs> my girl. <laughs> so, like, you know, would you would you have like some sort of old liquid that's like two hundred plus years old? Yeah, I probably wouldn't drink it, but like, I would definitely have it. And be like, look, bitch, I, that's two hundred years old, and I own it. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the whiskey auction market has inflated so rapidly over the past few years that most that the most expensive bottles now regularly sell for over a million dollars. Oh my god. Isn't this this is a potentially 250-year-old bottle of bourbon set for sale later this year and it's it's going for something like uh, 40 grand at least. Okay. I mean, that's still really expensive. 40 grand? I mean, for 40 grand, I think I'm drinking it. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. <laughs> this ain't my forte. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, you know, I just thought this is uh, this would be like a funny, interesting conversation in the sense of, uh, or at least I'd stick like a needle in to like take some out so I can at least taste it and then like yeah. leave the rest intact. Yeah, I think so. Because it'd be like, I like the idea of having it as like, like on the shelf, you know, just like, like it's there. That's 250 years old, baby. Yeah, until you're grown. Uh, until you're drunk, TT comes over and like just like <laughs> you're in the kitchen making empanadas, and she's like hitting the bottle because she doesn't know that it's better. <laughs> that is 250 years old. <laughs> Damn, that would happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> Because you know, you know that there's always that one person in the family just all up in the liquor cabinet, just like doing the thing, right? And there goes your forty thousand dollar bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Bam! I hope you enjoyed it. Like, yeah, that's it. Well, I, I think we're here for this, right? And if you're, and if you got the money to burn, then why not? And last but not least, Italy can make bad gelato illegal. Damn. Okay. Like a lot of a lot of Italy in the food news world today, um, <laughs> but uh, I thought this was really funny too. That like I there there are no it gelato is such a staple in Italy that they are considering passing a law making bad gelato illegal. I love that. I think that should be like everything. Like if you make bad food, period, you should be chopped. <laughs> Hello? Because ain't nobody want to eat bad food. I don't want to eat nasty gelato. I want to eat good gelato. I want to eat good gelato. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I was having a discussion with um, my last podcast guest about New York City restaurants and how um, you either have to be really, really good or really, really bad. Like, there's no middle ground, you know? You know? Like, this is just really terrible food, and you don't know why that restaurant is still open because they have the worst food, but they're <laughs> still open somehow. Yeah, that is right? real. D- uh, have you had that experience here? But, like, I always find that, like, even though it's bad or, like, bad for you, I love it. Like, uh, I, I used to love going to, like, mm, like, like McDonald's and just getting everything. Well, I'm yeah, I mean... Baby. A McFlurry, all of that, all of that. Well, um, once again, thanks uh, to foodandwine.com, senators are considering a law that would fine vendors for selling artificially enhanced frozen treats, and they could be fined up to uh, 10,000 euros or $12,030 per offense. You know, and, and yeah. you just brought up an interesting point, actually, that, hello, is wasn't obvious to me at the moment. But, like, yeah, why aren't we fining people for serving, like, shitty, processed, crappy food? Like, exactly. why is that not a thing? Yeah, and, like, I feel like good food should be cheaper because I don't want to have to spend $50 to have, a like, a, a meal that's good for me. Right? That's... That's also another discussion. A long time ago, I got into a Twitter fight with Campbell's, like Campbell's Soup, uh-huh. because I wanted, I, it was late night, I was in my apartment, I was like, oh my God, I really want tomato soup. I had like a mm. tomato soup craving. It's like, oh, I can go to Dwayne Reed and get a can of Campbell's tomato soup. You know, like original. So <laughs> old school. <laughs> and so I walk over and I pick up the can of tomato soup. And what is tomato soup but tomatoes and water and some seasoning, right? Basically. Mm-hmm. Pick up the can of tomato soup. And the first ingredient on the can was high fructose corn syrup. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, why do I need sugar? Like, why is there fake sugar all up in my tomato soup? Yeah. And so I tweeted. I was like, why, why do I need high fructose corn syrup in my tomato soup, Campbell's? And they tweeted back, oh, well, maybe... Campbell's uh, free and free and easy or fresh and organic is a better choice for you. And I was like, wait a minute, why am I paying more money for less ingredients? Exactly. It's like that don't make sense. It really, it doesn't. I don't enjoy that. 
I don't enjoy that. But I think it seems like we are both here for the fines and the taxation of it all, especially when it comes to our gelato slash ice creams. And with that, I think that's a perfect way to end. Food news update. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. About a year ago, Cardi B, uh, queen, was on her Instagram live late night, acted up like she does. And it's one of my most favorite moments of her that, like, I literally screen grabbed it. She was eating tomatoes, like those cherry tomatoes with her long nails. Uh-huh. But what she was doing was she would pick up a cherry tomato, and then all you would hear was... She was pouring about, like, 10 pounds of salt on this one little tomato (laughs) and then would squeeze all this lemon all over this one poor little tomato. It wasn't like a beefsteak tomato. It was just like this little tomato. And then she goes "Mm, delicious citrusy perfection. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but like also that is so good. Like I had that last night. Tomatoes with salt a, a little, little lemon? Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, so the su- the amount of salt this amazing woman put on, I mean, she, like, she like emptied the salt shaker on, like, three mm-hmm. tomatoes. And ooh. then she was, like, sopping it up. Oh, I had to, ooh, ooh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Listen, I think um, a lot of listeners out there maybe have an understanding a very small understanding of ballroom culture and what that means. And I love, I love the fact that you're part of the House of Milan. Um, I have met uh, one of your family members in that respect uh, way before I even knew this was a thing. House of Milan is now on Netflix's, is it Netflix Legendary or HBO Max? HBO Max. HBO Max. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, I can't keep track. So many uh, streaming services. Um, can you talk to me about, like, how you entered this house? Can you give us a little ballroom, like, 101 just for the listener and what that what that experience is like? Because it's super yeah, special. A hundred percent. And it is it is definitely a culture, which I am, I'm, a, I'm, like, very happy that I have found a house to be a part of. Um, as, a New, as, like, a New York kid... I have always seen ballroom and I've always like watched it from afar, but never knew how to like get my foot into the door, you know, like, um, cause it is, it, it could be very intimidating, um, to just like walk up and be like, bitch, I want to do this too. Yeah. Um, can you, can you, uh, like, uh, just for the listener out there, because I have a ton of listeners out in India, shout out to India, right? The UK, right? And listeners yeah. across America that may not understand. So I, I feel like we need to even bring this down to like a ballroom 101. Like what okay. is, what is, like just really short, right? So at least those who don't know can uh, can grasp it. What is the ballroom scene in your eyes at least? Um, well, the ballroom scene started in Harlem um, and it is pretty much um, queer POCs. Um, mainly Black and Latinx people. Um, And we created houses so that um, it started when, like, um, you would be homeless because you got kicked out because um, of your queerness. And they would tend to go down to the pier, down to Christopher Street Pier, and hang out. and, And you would find, or, like, someone would find you, and they would pretty much pick you up and put you into their house. Um, So there are are a lot of house mothers, a lot of house fathers that have started houses in that respect. Now it's a little bit more different. Now it's a little bit more, it's it's still a family and I, I still love my house members, but like we don't live together in, in that idea of it. But it is very like, it is very family oriented. It is very, it is very queer POC oriented. Um, it, it is, is very, it is. And in your mouth listeners, some of these houses go back into like the 60s like really really old i know i think it was the house of labasia got started because um the white drag queens weren't accepting of the black drag queens so they went right and kind of formed a community of their own 
eventually turning themselves and I'm almost certain it was the House of Labasia that kind of started with this, right? A lot of these a lot of these houses um, in the ballroom scene and ballroom culture also fought, like, yes, they took care of each other. They fostered community. They were families. They are families. And they helped each other out. They helped each other rise. They helped each other go to school. They helped each other, you know, it just wasn't, it it was, it was a family unit in, in almost the most traditional sense, but in a very non-traditional way. Just to give you a little, like, Ballroom 101. So here you are. You want to get into the ballroom scene. How does that happen for you? So I met Mike Milan, who is um, the other Milan that you know, um, through like Instagram. And we then did a photo shoot together. And while we were talking, um, I remember him being like, are you in the ball scene? And I was like, no, but like, that is like, that is my culture. Like I am, I have always like, I, as a New York City kid, I just feel like that is, it's a part of my blood. Um, the ball scene so like but I'm not a part of a house and he was like oh oh we can definitely change that and I was like okay work so what's good um so he then like talked me through like how I would join um I had like a meeting with him with a few other members of um the Milan dynasty and um then like right after the call he sent me a text and was like welcome home um and it made my heart really happy and I have not officially walked as a Milan in a ball um, because I joined during the pandemic, but I am so excited because I will be walking the category of face darling. And you guys do not know this right now because this is a podcast that is only recorded on the audio, but she is certainly getting face. Oh yes. The face is, <laughs> is one not to mess with for <laughs> show, honey, for show. It's incredible. And in your mouth listeners, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, that's where voguing came out of, right? That's where um, some of, what I think one of the first trans models came out of. So much has come out of the ballroom scene. So much of what we do as gay men, uh, so much, so, so, so much comes out of the ballroom scene and those iconic members who, like, created this language, this way of uh, living, this, all of that. It's, um, it's admirable. It's, it's, so beautiful and I look forward you'll have to invite me because I've always wanted to go to a ball and um a long time ago and I regret it it's one I don't regret much in life uh to be honest (laughs) with you but a very long time ago I was at the monster and I met Egypt Labesia and uh grandfather extravaganza who passed away not that long ago and when they now in your mouth listeners these are two really, really legendary people in the LGBTQ community and the ballroom scene. And they were like, yeah, come to a ball, this and that. And I was so intimidated, just intimidated just to go, you know, because, yeah. right, that I never went. And I, and I really regret it because they, they had invited me on more than one occasion, you know. So yeah. I, look, I look forward to... I look forward to seeing you do that. I look forward to seeing you shine, right? Um, I look forward to catching uh, all your house members, your family members on the television as well, right? On Legendary, right? Because that's that's something I need to get into really, really soon. Tell me what's next for, you know, the empanada puppy. Um, I don't know. I think I, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's talks of maybe a food truck happening, um, some vendor moments at like certain food pop-ups in New York City. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm definitely really excited to see what the future holds with um, Empanada Papi because I think that it is it is a part of my brand now and I am really fortunate to have it. Um, so I don't know, but you can always follow along at Empanada Papi NYC on Instagram. Yes, right. Uh, way to segue for me because I was just gonna t- <laughs> I was just gonna ask you to let the kids know where they can find you, how they can find you, right? Give them all the social, or do you just want to filter it all to Empanada Papi? No, you can also follow me on my like regular Instagram at tomatoes underscore 
um, like tomatoes, like, you know, the fruit or the vegetable. Mm-hmm. Um, tomatoes without the E. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. This has been great. And I love um, just like getting to sit here and connecting uh, with people like you, with you specifically, just because Indie Mouth listeners, I don't think you understand, right? Because, you know, LGBTQ people in food right? Uh, This is very niche here, what I do. And so sometimes it's a struggle to find people and find really good people, like people that are doing interesting things and, and like, you know, and so um, sliding into Tomas's DMs and this and that, and I was like, oh, he hasn't responded, right? But then again, he doesn't follow me. So maybe he didn't see it. And then I'm walking home one day and here, I manifested you. I fully believe I like <laughs> conjured you, right? I used I used the, the the spirits of the past, right? And there you were. And I was like, wait a minute, I just messaged you on Instagram and you were like, Well, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> but I can't thank you enough for being here. Um folks, is there a website or is there it is ju- not a website yet? It's just all via be. Instagram. Great. Yeah. Amazing. We live, laugh, empanada, love that for you. Folks out there, um, please go follow him. Please go send him all the love at empanada poppy nyc on Instagram. See what he's cooking up. Uh, follow the Royal House of Milan. Follow at Tomas underscore tomatos underscore. Uh, that's T-O-M-A-T-O-S underscore on Instagram as well. I can't thank you enough one more time for coming to laugh with me, to play with me, and to share your story um, out there. You know what? If you're in New York, now's the time. It's perfect empanada weather if you ask me, right? It's not too hot, <laughs> not too cold, just right. I hope you're enjoying the weather. I hope you're getting vaccinated if you haven't yet in this city or wherever you are. Um, I hope you are healthy and yeah, you know what? Support people doing the thing and uh, oh yeah, it's Cinco de Mayo. So have a great day out there, right? Take your act right pills, right? Don't be ridiculous out in these streets on this day. And as always, thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.